God is good? And all the time? Wow, wasn't that powerful worship this morning? You know, I think about, um, well, first I want to say thank you to you guys who uh, allowed us to go on this trip to, uh, to Israel. What a, man, it was an amazing uh, experience. Um, as Ben mentioned a little bit there, um, a, a little bit of, of um, heaviness, sadness maybe, I don't know the exact emotion, um, that as we talk about this morning, the idea of anticipating Christ's return, that many people missed his first return. And to watch many of his people, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people who many have, uh, they don't celebrate Christmas like we do. They don't look back in celebration of the Messiah. They're still waiting for him to come. And they're still waiting for that first uh, coming. And so there's this uh, awesome experience, but also a little heaviness of how many people don't know Jesus yet? How many people don't know Jesus is the Messiah? So, but I do want to say thank you for letting us go. Joanna had a great time. Many of you from our church went, and I want to say thank you to, uh, to Bruce and Pam and to, to Mana Worldwide who put the trip on and allowed us to go on that. And, and uh, we had a great trip just kind of experiencing a lot of getting to be in a lot of places where the Lord walked. And so say thank you to, to you uh, this morning. In your bulletin, get your notes out. I always want to encourage you to take notes and take extra notes. Write in your Bible, mark it up, um, and, uh, because there's so much information and the, you know, kind of maybe the, uh, the struggle I'm going to have this morning is getting through a lot of information quickly, but also, you know, that we can digest it a little bit. And so there's going to be a lot of scripture we're going to go through. So I'd encourage you when you hear me say a reference, write it down. And then you may have time this week. I hope you'll take time this week to go back through it and, and to talk a little bit about it. And so uh, again, thank you to Pastor Haley who preached our message last week, did a great job. Uh, my wife and I actually, we, Joy and I, we, we sat last week while you were here in church uh, we were having uh, dinner at 6.30, which was 10.30 here. We set our phone right there, and we watched you guys, and we got to worship with you. So uh, I know sometimes technology is a pain, but it was awesome that night, so we get to be a part of the service last week uh, while we were in Israel. But when we think about Advent, the Advent season, there in your bulletin, kind of your first blank, say that, what, kind of describe what that is. And Advent simply means to come or to arrive. And so we think about the first advent, okay, the first coming, the first arrival, that's what we're celebrating at Christmas, right? The first arrival of Jesus, Jesus the Messiah. And, and so when we think about this, we talked about this really the last two weeks. So uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, Matthew chapter 1. And like I said, uh, we're going to get to a lot of different scripture this morning. So it's kind of like, um, how many of you grew up in church doing the sword drills? You guys remember that? How many of you have no idea what a sword drill is? Okay, so a sword drill, I guess I better explain it, was basically competition. And I am maybe a little too competitive by nature. Um, I also have a twin brother who uh, allowed me to be a little more competitive than most. And so a sword drill, when, when I was a kid, we had to hold the Bible in the air. You guys how many of you did that? Hold the Bible in the air and you, you, you weren't supposed to cheat and thumb through it. I say you weren't supposed to cheat. 
Um, and then they would give a reference, Matthew chapter 1, and whoever could find the reference the fastest and stand up would be the winner. How many of you were champions at the sword drill, all right? How many of you cheated in the sword drill? Okay. It's a good time to confess that, okay? So you might get ready. If, if you're following along in the Version Bible app, it may be a little easier, maybe a little quicker. I don't know. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We read this two weeks ago. Pastor Haley also talked last week about the shepherds. And, and so we talked about this again when we think about the Advent. Christmas season is celebrating the first Advent, the first coming, the first arrival. Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David... Do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Again, that's what we just sang about. We, th we think about the purpose, the reason Jesus came the first time, the first advent, was for this very reason. Verse 21, he shall bring forth a son, or she shall, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will what? Save his people from their sins sins. Aren't you glad that Jesus came the first time? He came to save us from their sins. Verse 22 then says, so all this was done that it might be, fill, be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and verse 23 here is really a, a quote from Isaiah 7, 14, but let's read verse 23. It says, behold, the virgin shall be a child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which we just sang about, translated. What does Emmanuel mean? It means God with us. That God, as Ben described there, came. And as he was quoting, paraphrasing Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. That to being equal, and, and, and again, we think about the humility of Christ, but in Isaiah 7, 14, what Matthew is quoting from, it says this, Therefore the Lord himself will bring you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, again, meaning God with us. So when we think about the first advent, I, I, I put on here on your bulletin this morning just kind of these bullet points about the differences between the first advent. So remember, the first advent is what we're celebrating now. We're looking back and we're celebrating that Christ came. And why did he come? He came to live a sinless, perfect life, that he could be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, that, that he could be the perfect sacrifice, the one for all sacrifice, that, that we as followers of Jesus Christ could confess our sins. We could have re forgiveness of our sins. We could repent. We can have a restored relationship with God, our creator. But look at the differences in the first advent that we look back on and the second advent. Here's the great news. Jesus is coming again. Amen. He's coming back. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Isn't that something to be excited about? Amen. What's sad about that is many people failed to recognize that he's already come the first time. Here's the differences. So uh, the first advent, he was born in obscurity. Second advent, seen by every eye. The first advent, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. The second advent, clothed in royal robe, dipped in blood. The first, surrounded by cattle. The second, accompanied by the armies of heaven. Do you know who the armies of heaven are going to be? It's going to be me. It's going to be you. If, if you are a follower of Jesus, that we will return with Jesus. Are you excited about that? 
amazing uh, opportunity this past week for us to stand on the very spot that Scripture tells us that's going to happen. And, and the armies of heaven, followers of Jesus, will, will be a part of the last battle. He was surrounded by cattle the first advent. He will be surrounded by the armies of heaven on the second. The next one there, the doors of the inn were closed. The second advent, the doors of heaven will be opened. Uh, the first had the voice of a newborn baby. And the second, he will have the voice and the sound of many waters. The first, he was the lamb bringing salvation, which is what we just read about. In John chapter 1, this, this reference here, when John saw Jesus coming, remember what John said? Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He was pointing out for all the Jewish people around to, to identify this man, Jesus, this one that is coming. He's the one that we are to celebrate. He's the one that we've been waiting for. And, and so for years, the 400-year gap that Ben talked about, for years they've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for this prophecy to be fulfilled by Isaiah the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall bring forth a son. You will call his name Emmanuel. He'll be Jesus, God, with us. And when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, this is that one, John was acknowledging Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Are you thankful for the Lamb of God, Jesus? And he came, born in obscurity, humbled himself, became obedient to death. Why? It's the fulfillment of what the angel told, told Joseph. His name will be Jesus. Why? Because he will take away our sins. Look at the last one on the second advent. The first advent, the lamb bringing salvation. The second advent, the lion bringing judgment. Jesus, when he comes back, he's coming back completely different. He's coming back to set all things new. He's coming back to judge sin and unrighteousness. He's coming back completely different than he came the first time. But we as followers of Jesus, we anticipate that, don't we? We're excited about that. So as you're taking notes, look at the first there it says, uh, talking about the first advent. The first advent, Jesus came to ransom all who would believe. He came to ransom all who would believe. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. I'll just read it. You don't need to turn there. It says this. Jesus speaking says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve, and he came to give his life a ransom for many. That's the story of Christmas. That's what we celebrate. It's that Jesus humbled himself. He lived a sinless life so that he could be the sacrifice who hang on the cross, who would shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness of sins. The Bible says without, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the, the, the Lamb of God sacrificed for me, I could not have eternal life. I could not have forgiveness. I could not have a home in heaven. And so we celebrate the first advent, because Jesus came to be a ransom. He paid my payment. He ransomed me. And look what it says there. It says in, in your outline, it says to ransom all who would what? Believe. Believe. You, you see, the celebration of Christmas really comes down to this question. Have you believed? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? 
You know, we spent a, a week or two uh, touring. We had a tour guide, and he did a great job giving us all, I mean, the, the scripture that this man knew and would, would explain and explain and explain. And about the third day, we had a, a few moments off the side of the bus, and I said to him, his name was John, I said, John, tell me about when you gave your life to Christ. And he couldn't give me an answer. He kind of talked for about forever, it seemed like, with no specific answer. So I asked him another question. I said, well, well, explain to me then how one would get to heaven. And he, again, went on with all this scripture, but no clear answer. And then I said, well, John, how, do you, how would you interpret John chapter 3? And in John chapter 3, we know the famous verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. And I said, in, in John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus said, you can't enter into heaven. You, you can't have a relationship with God unless you are what? Born again, unless you have a spiritual birth. And I said, so John, how would you interpret that scripture where Jesus tells Nicodemus that you must be born again? And he said, I, I'm not sure what passage you're talking about. Give me the context. So I gave him the context, which I just gave to you. And he couldn't give me an answer. And I said, let me explain. When I was 17 years old, I, I like you, John, I grew up in church my whole life, and, and, and I, I heard all the stories, and, and I had all the sword drills, right? I, I, I grew up in church. I grew up knowing all these stories. But at the age of 17, I realized that I personally had never asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I've never made faith my faith. I never made the Savior my Savior. I had a lot of heart, a lot of head knowledge, but I had never made a decision. And at the age of 17, I gave my life to Christ, and I said, that's the moment I would say I was spiritually reborn. And he was confused. Here's the sad reality of what we have seen this last two weeks is that many people are just like John. And I wonder this morning if some of you in the room are just like John. You come to church, but you've never given your life to Christ. You've never had a personal relationship with Jesus. And can I, can I just encourage you? Why not today? It's a simple decision of surrendering my life to Jesus, admitting that I'm a sinner, confessing my sins, confessing what Jesus said. He is the only way to God. Church is not the way to God. Jesus is the way to God. There is no way I can have forgiveness of sins unless I come to Jesus. And so this morning, if you've never done that, I'm encouraging you to do that. So the first advent, it, 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 it is, what, what was it? It was that Jesus came to, to ransom all who would believe. Look at the next one here. And when, we, when we think about the second advent, okay, there's a little maybe semantics in this, but the way I would like to describe it for you this morning is the second advent, the second coming, the second arrival of Jesus is really going to come in two phases. Okay, and the two phases are, are spelled out for us. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 4. First Thessalonians, chapter number 4, verse 13. And it says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as 
others who have no hope. And so Paul is writing about those who have died. This idea of falling asleep is those who have died. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have died unless you sorrow as those who have no hope. And so we, we understand that when someone passes from this life to the next, that there is sorrow. But Paul is saying that we sorrow with hope. Verse 14, then he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. What an amazing, what, what, what is described here is what people have termed later. We won't find this word. But the word in verse 17, caught up, gives us the idea of what the word called the rapture. And so the next, the next advent, the second coming, the second arrival, will be started by this event Paul talks about. And what Paul is saying is those who are dead in Christ, who've died, but have died as believers, who've given their life to Jesus Christ, at the rapture, they will be caught up in the clouds with Jesus in the air. And those who are alive and remain, in other words, if Jesus were to come back today, and, and when you study the end times prophecy, you realize that Jesus could come back today. There is nothing yet to be fulfilled for Jesus to return. It could happen today. And so what Paul is saying here is if that were to happen today, those who have died in Christ would meet Christ in the air. Those of us who are alive and remain, who are in Christ, followers of Jesus, we would be caught up with Christ. And so we anticipate that, don't we? That's the next thing on the prophetic calendar that we as followers of Jesus would anticipate. It's no different than those who were in the Old Testament. They were looking for the first arrival of Christ. Now that we've had the first arrival of Christ, we now anticipate the second arrival of Christ. And so this event described in 1 Thessalonians, what we would term as the rapture, is going to begin the second arrival. But let's look at the second phase of that. So the first one we would, we would term as the rapture. And, and what is Jesus going to do? It says here, Jesus will receive all who have believed. So the first advent, he came to ransom all who would believe. The second advent is going to start out with, Jesus will come to receive all who have believed. And so again, the important question for us this morning is going to be, have we believed? Because if I have not believed in Christ, the second advent is going to be a scary event. If I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ, then I can look forward with anticipation and celebration the second coming of Christ. I can be excited about it. Have I believed? All right, let's keep looking this morning. The third one here or the second part, the second phase of the second advent is this. Jesus will come to rule and reign. Jesus will come to rule and reign with all who have believed. And that's what we anticipate. That's what we're excited about as, as we think about the second coming of Christ. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 11. So in Isaiah, we have a lot of, of, a lot of prophecy. We, we already read Isaiah 7, 14 and, and, and the prophecy of the first coming. In Isaiah chapter number 11, 
is the prophecy really of the second coming. When the song that we just sang, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, really points more towards the second coming, the second advent, than it does the first. Okay, and, and so you're going to see this. I want you to, to underline, I'll, I'll tell you where these parts to underline, that really tie back to the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, why it was even written. All right, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. It says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, a branch, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. And who is this referencing? It's referencing Jesus. It's referencing his second coming. It says, The Spirit of the Lord. You might write on the out, you know, maybe on the margin of your Bible or on your outline this morning, the following references. Look up Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Revelation 1, 1 through 4. Revelation 3, verse 1. Right, so we've got Revelation 1, 1 through 4. Revelation 3, verse 1. Revelation 4, verse 5. And Revelation 5, verse 6. And in those references, you're going you're gonna to hear or read the phrase, the seven spirits of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, we see what those seven spirits of God are. They are fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And here's what it says, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord, all right, that's number one, shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom, number two, and understanding, number three. The spirit of counsel, number four, and of might, number five. The spirit of knowledge, six, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. The seven spirits that are referenced in Revelations that I gave you. Let's keep reading verse number three, Isaiah 11. In his delight is the fear of the Lord. Again, this is all pointing towards Jesus. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Underline that verse, especially that part. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. Right out to the side of that, Revelation 19, verse 11. Let's keep reading. In his breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteous shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion, the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall gaze. The young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hold. That, that doesn't sound very wise, does it? And the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy any all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This description here is what would be termed as the millennial reign of Christ. Because when we think about the two advents, the first advent we celebrate at Christmas. He came as a humble baby. The second advent is in two phases. First, the rapture. After seven years of the rapture, Jesus is going to come and judge the earth. And what the description here in Isaiah is, is that after he judges the earth, it will be, all things will be made new. It'll be similar to what it was like in the Garden of Eden before sin. And this is the description here. But let's keep, let's keep reading. All right, verse number 10, Isaiah 11. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand in a banner to the people. Again, we see the same, the, the same word, the same imagery used in verse 1 as verse, 10, as verse 10. There shall be a root of Jesse. Again, pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, the promised one. 
Remember who Jesse is, right? The father of King David. It's a fulfillment of prophecy in 1 Samuel where God told Samuel and God told David, the Davidic covenant, that of his line and this reign of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Jesus is a fulfillment of that. Continue reading in verse 10. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left from Assyria and Egypt, from Pethros and Cush, excuse me, from Elam, Shinar, from Hamath, and the islands of the sea. And he will set up a banner for the nations, will assemble the outcast of Israel, and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And you see what has happened here is the nation of Israel missed the first advent. And this chapter 11 is what they were anticipating in the first advent. They missed it. And so we understand this morning as we look back on the first advent, the coming of Christ as followers of Jesus Christ, we look forward to the second coming of Christ when he sets all things new. And what's that going to look like? I'm going to read several verses of Scripture. I want to encourage you to, to write them down this morning as we look through this. And some of them are listed here under this. Jesus will come to rule and reign with all who have believed. Zechariah 14, 3-4 says this. Again, this is prophecy pointing toward the day of the Lord. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west, making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. And what Zechariah is telling us is the point, the place of the second advent. It's going to be on the mount of Olives. And guess what significant thing happened on the Mount of Olives? It was the same place that Jesus last touched the earth when he ascended into heaven. And so we anticipate the coming of Christ. But what's going to happen when he comes? Revelation 16, 16 says this. They gather them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. This is the final battle that we just sang about. When Jesus is going to judge sins of the world. The battle of Armageddon. And, and Revelations 19 described this a little bit. I'm not going to read it all, but let me read a few verses. Now I said, I saw heaven open up. Behold a white horse. Again, this is John giving us prophecy of what's going to take place. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on that no one except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name called the Word of God. Who is that pointing us to? Jesus. Remember John chapter 1 we read a few weeks ago? In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And without the Word, nothing was created that was created. And John 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It was Jesus. It's referencing Jesus. Verse 14, Revelations 19. And it says, And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Who are the armies of heaven? We already went over this. Who are the armies of heaven? We are if we've given our life to Christ, if we believe. And we will come back 
with Jesus when he sets all things new. And we will not see Jesus as a meek, lowly lamb of God. We will see him as the Lion of Judah who will judge the sins of the earth. You see, we can't celebrate the birth of Christ, the first advent of Christ, if we haven't given our life to Christ. We can't anticipate the second coming of Christ unless we've given our life to Christ. Well, how should we respond? For those of us in the room that have given our life to Christ, for those of us in the room that have se- we celebrate the first advent, but we anticipate the second advent, th- there's three things here. First one, celebration. This is what God wants us to do. God wants us to celebrate Christmas. Maybe not exactly how we do it, but he wants us to celebrate Christmas. And the reason we celebrate Christmas is the same reason we talked about last week the shepherds did. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 20, what did the shepherds do? It says the shepherds returned. So the angel of the Lord came to the shepherds and he told them, go to the Bethlehem, go to the star, the one that you've been anticipating, the one that you've been waiting, Jesus Messiah, Emmanuel, he is alive. He's born this night. Go and see him. Could you imagine if you were the shepherds and God showed up like that? And they showed up, and they worshiped, and they celebrated this baby born in a manger. But what did they do? Verse 20, Luke 2, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Can you imagine their walk back to the hills that night? Understanding the scriptures that the Messiah was coming, we've been waiting, we've been anticipating, we've been hoping, and he's here. And us, lowly, outcast shepherds, got to see him first. And they walked away celebrating the gift of Christmas. How should we respond? The same way they did, celebration. The second way we should respond is anticipation. Anticipating, and again, if you have not given your life to Christ, it's going to be hard to celebrate. It's going to be hard to anticipate. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we anticipate the second coming. We anticipate what God is going to do. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 11, so in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we, we, we uh, get the words of, the, really the last words of Jesus. He, shall, he said, you shall be witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the commission. That's what God has told us to do. Go make disciples in Matthew chapter 28. And we are to be witnesses of all that we have seen, just like the shepherd's word. We celebrate, we anticipate, and, and then as the disciples stood there and watched, They stood on the Mount of Olives and they saw Jesus ascend into heaven. Verse 11 of Acts chapter 1 says this. Men of Galilee, why do you stand up gazing into heaven? This same Jesus was taken up for you from heaven and will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. And what the angels proclaimed to the disciples that day as they watched Jesus leave is what what did the angels tell him? He's coming back at this same spot, and he's going to set all things new. Isn't that something to anticipate and to celebrate? Number three, we have anticipation, we have celebration, and number three, proclamation. 
Verse 17 and 18 of Luke chapter 2, again talking about the shepherds. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which they were told by them. You know, as a follower of Jesus, how shameful of me to celebrate and anticipate and not tell people. I've missed the point if that's all I do. What do we say here all the time? The gospel came to me on the way to someone else. The gospel came to you on the way to someone else. And unfortunately for a lot of us, and maybe for a lot of you, the gospel has stopped with us. The first people to see Jesus, the shepherds, who were not allowed in this time period to be witnesses in a court because they weren't trustworthy, were the first witnesses of Jesus. And what did they do? They made widely known the things that they had seen and experienced and were told to them. So let's, let's conclude this this morning with two thoughts. Have you given your life to Christ? I sat and asked Hannah, or John, as his English name would be translated, and he couldn't tell me. He knew all the scriptures probably better than I did. Not, not probably. He knew the scriptures better than I did, but he didn't know Jesus. Have you given your life to Jesus? The second part of that is, are you anticipating his return, and are you telling people? It's pointless for us to celebrate Christmas if we don't tell people that Jesus came to die for their sins so they could have eternal life. It's not about the gifts. It's about the gift. It's not about all the traditions. It's not about all the warm fuzzies. It's about Jesus. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? And and maybe you're new here this morning, and and so I just want to explain what's about to happen. We're going to sing a final song of worship, but there's an opportunity to respond. So maybe this morning, God has revealed to you that, that you've never actually given your life to Jesus, that you've never made him your personal Lord and Savior, and so really you can't anticipate his second coming because you'd be left behind. And so in a moment when we stand, we're going to sing a song of worship. There's going to be several of us. We're going to be standing here at the front. We're going to be facing you. If you would like to to know how to give your life to Jesus, to make him your Lord, your Savior, to be ready for his second coming, I'm going to ask you when we stand in a moment to walk down to the front, shake somebody's hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. We would love to open up the Bible and show you a few verses of Scripture on what that means and what that looks like this morning. For for the rest of us this morning, maybe God's saying to you, you know, you do a lot of celebrating, but you don't tell much people about me. Maybe God has challenged you today. Are, are Are you going to proclaim like the shepherds did? Are you going to be a secret disciple like Nicodemus? And I'm going to challenge you this morning. If, 
if you have not been faithful to proclaim the good news, that you would walk down here this morning, that you would confess that to the Lord, and that you would commit that this Christmas season, you will tell people about Jesus. Maybe that's just simply giving them an invite card to the Christmas Eve service. I hope it'll be more than that. I hope it'll be at least that, but I hope it'll be more than that. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. We thank you that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We're thankful this morning that we can anticipate the second coming of Jesus. And Lord, I pray this morning, if there's someone in this room that has never given their life to Jesus, Lord, that you would give them that nudge to, to, to walk out in the aisle and walk down here, shake someone's hand and, and just say, I need Jesus today. Lord, I pray for those that you have convicted this morning of their lack of telling people that they have been silent. Lord, that you would push them out of that aisle this morning. They would come down here. They would confess their apathy, maybe their laziness, their indifference, that they would commit today to tell people about Jesus. Lord, we want to worship you in the closing moments of this service. We want to thank you. We want to praise the name of Jesus because it's in his name that we meet. It's in his name that we pray. It's in his name that we celebrate, anticipate. Thank you for Jesus as we worship today.